Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Bibles. We're going to continue um, our series that we started. Uh, we're opening up to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17 verse 31 is uh, where we're going to start at this morning. How many of you were here last week? How many here last week? How many weren't here last week? Okay. All right. Awesome. So let me give you a little update real quickly. We just started a brand new series. You don't have to put the scripture up yet. We just started a brand new series called Defeating Giants. Defeating Giants. And I want to give you a little backstory to where we're going. Now, when we start talking about defeating giants, everybody's mind immediately goes to a victorious uh, message where we, it's a one-week message where we're going to go from the story of David and Goliath from beginning to end in one week and talk about how David just overcame Goliath like that. Now, how many of you know that there's giants in our life oftentimes, and it often does not feel like we overcome our giants like that? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this room this morning? That sometimes overcoming giants takes time, and sometimes overcoming giants takes adjustments in our life. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes, let me just say, most of the time, almost all the time, if you are going to defeat something in your life, if you're going to defeat something, an enemy that is coming against you, a Goliath, a giant that is standing in your way, guess what? It's going to take adjustments on your part to actually move forward in what God is calling you to do in the overcoming and finding victory over that situation. And I shared a little bit of a testimony that I have of overcoming fear where it was late at night and Pastor Chelsea and I were just married. Somebody tried to break into our home. I had never experienced anything like that. I immediately started saying, I'll never sleep here again. After that took place, fear gripped me. We didn't sleep in our own room. We, we had been married for three months. For the next six to nine months, somewhere in that window, I don't have the exact time frame, but the next six to nine months, we didn't sleep in our home. We're newlyweds. We didn't sleep in our home. Our marriage started going through trials and tribulations uh, because there was, a, there, was a, there was an issue that was happening, and I was bound in fear, and I couldn't even sleep in my own house. But through um, the power of God and through us making a decision that we recognized what the giant was, and then Pastor Chelsea, praise God for her, she was there and she was like a Caleb that would say, Micah, we can overcome the giants in the land, but we have to stand and we have to actually face the giant. We have to recognize it and we have to speak to it. And through a series of events that evening, we ended up staying there in that house, Spirit of fear gripped me like it never had before. I couldn't even utter words. No words could come out. And I, we called people. Pastor Eva McGoey said, just say Jesus, just say Jesus. Eventually I said Jesus. And it was all at once fear was broken off my life in one moment. I give that story as once again, as just a, a laying a foundation and an understanding that not every giant is going to be overcome like that, okay? Just because you're facing something and you have not overcome it yet does not mean that you are doing everything wrong in your life. Because sometimes I think we get that idea and that ideology that because I'm facing something and I haven't overcome it yet, I must be really messed up. God must not love me. Huh? God must not care about my feelings. 
God must not care about, about what I'm facing. He cares about everyone else's giants. Let me just say this real quickly. As long as you get into that mindset, you will stay exactly where you're at because that is a tool and a tactic of the enemy to keep you stuck whenever you see everything else and you see other people conquering and you see other people getting blessed and you see other people overcoming and you get that spirit within you that's just a critical spirit. Let me tell you, that critical spirit will keep you exactly where you are and you will never overcome until you rid yourself of that critical fault-finding spirit looking. And listen, we often fault-find with God because we fault-find with people. We view God as, as, as we view people. And let me just encourage you with this for one moment. God is holy. Do you know what that means? God is different. He is set apart. He is Kadesh. He is holy. There's no one like him. That means that even though we were made in the image and in the likeness of God and we have a spirit dwelling and living within us, we are not God. And the people around you are not God. Can I tell you the things that are facing you in your life, they do not compare to the greatness and the power of God. And we need a reminder of that. We need to reflect on that. And so this past week, what we did is I gave some people homework because we talked about often how we misrecognize our giants last week. And we talked about the fact of that often what we do is we recognize the outsources. So we recognize the anger and we call anger a giant, right? But anger is not really the giant. Your unforgiveness is the giant. And that is creating anger in your life. Or, or maybe your, 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 your giant, you think, is, is a, a, a marriage, you know, your marriage is going through some things and you think that's the giant, your spouse is the giant and she's the issue or he's the issue and all that. When really it's you have improper relationships and addictions outside of your marriage. And it's created a giant in your marriage because you're, you're dealing with things outside your marriage. But you keep addressing this and that's what the children of Israel did as they were going to the promised land and they saw giants in the land. They misidentified the problem and they identified Moses as the problem rather than identifying the giants as the problem. And so they identified giants, but then they said, but Moses, you brought us here. In other words, Moses, you're the one who brought us all this way to face giants. We would have been better off to stay, off, stay back in Egypt and sit around pots of meat even though we were slaves. And oftentimes, that's a picture of us, right? Where we would rather go back to what's comfortable than face the things that lay ahead of us because we would rather, at least back here, we have some form of security. Even if it is the most uncomfortable, even if, even if it is the most uh, 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 jacked up version of security, at least here we have security. Well, I have security in this sin. I have security in this problem. I have security in my insecurities and I have security in my jealousy and I have security in my greed. And, but God's trying to get you from staying here to where he's calling you to go, which is a promised land. And your promised land is his peace. Your promised land is his joy. Your promised land is his provision. This is, these are the things that God has for you. And so this week we recognize what our giants were. How many of you that were here last week will say, Pastor, I prayed this week, I asked Holy Spirit, I, I did the why, 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 why. And you know what I'm talking about for those of you here last week, where we use the why method, where we're going to figure out, well, why do I feel this way? Well, why does this make me feel that way? Well, why does, until you get to the root source. How many of you say, Pastor, this week I, I, I did some soul searching, spirit searching, asked the Lord, wave your hand at me, amen, amen. So seven of us did the homework. Good job, guys. Everyone else will do it this week. Uh, but we're going to recognize giants because you can't overcome what you don't recognize. You cannot overcome what you don't recognize. So 
Now that we've recognized our giant, the question is this, now what? Now what? What do we do after we recognize the giant? We see the giant in land, but now what? Are you in 1 Samuel 17, verse 31? I gave you plenty of time to get there. If, if you're not, um, that's fine, but I'm going to read it for you. It's also going to be on the screens for you uh, this morning. It says this, Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. That's where we stopped last week. We stopped at this scripture. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Talking about the giant. Your servant uh, uh, will go and fight this Philistine. This is a great thing because what David does here is David is at the point where he recognizes his giant. He recognizes his Goliath. And so then he tells Saul, listen, don't worry about it. I will go and I will fight and I will overcome this Goliath. And that, that's, our, that's what we can take heart in today is that we are going to overcome. We're going to fight against our Goliath and we're going to overcome. Amen. Let's keep going here. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he would deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. You might want to remember that. He had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Stop right there at verse 39. We're going to end verse 39 there. So the big thing that you need to recognize here in the beginning of this, because we're going to break down this text that we're reading today, you need to recognize that Saul actually misrecognizes this whole situation. He completely misrecognizes the situation. Saul identifies David as a weak youth and Goliath as a huge warrior since youth. And this is how he misrecognizes and we fall into the trap of Saul. And maybe we should have named this, Sometimes I'm Saul. Because we misrecognize things too. Yeah. What we do is, and this is what Saul did, we only recognize things by what we see. We only recognize by the things that our senses, our physical senses, can actually, you know, feel, touch, smell, hear. That's, that, is, uh, that is how we recognize things. And that's absolutely things that God gave to us, our, our senses, our natural abilities. But what you have to understand is you may be a natural person, but as a kingdom citizen of heaven, you are supernatural person as well. Meaning that you can see past what you see. Look at somebody tell them, say, you can see what past what you see. Yeah, you can see past what you see. And that's how Saul recognizes this situation. So what I want to do this morning, since we talked about your goal of, the goal of your Goliath last week, and we talked, about, uh, we talked also about how to recognize your Goliath, now I want to give you some steps this morning on ways and how to position yourself to overcome your Goliath. 
Last week we talked about recognizing your Goliath, the goal of your Goliath, and this week we're talking about ways to position yourself to overcome your Goliath through this text. Number one is this, you need to stop listening and letting people's words have weight in your life that can't see past what they see. I'm going to say that again. You need to stop listening and letting people's words have weight in your life that can't see past what they see. This is the fact, okay? W- words have weight, right? We, we, we realize, you know, we like to use this term, the, the old thing where you may have said on the playground, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is ridiculous and not true. It's, it's really just, it's not a true statement. We used it because, because it was a way to deflect things that were going on. And I understand the sentiment behind what's being said whenever kids or people say that. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, that's not true. The Bible says differently. And this is just one of those kind of, understand that I say this, these natural things, the ways that we see things and worldly things we've grabbed onto and said these things. Whenever the truth of the matter, the Bible says this, that death and life are in the power of the okay anybody ever see the movie kung pao anybody in this room it, it didn't mean like tonguey in, in kung pao okay it's saying that the words that you speak the words that you speak have power that's what it's saying when the death and life are in the power of the tongue it's saying what comes out of your mouth has power and so whenever you speak things it goes on to talk about how you have to eat the things that you speak and I don't know about you, but I, I know in my life, even in this situation that I gave as a testimony, I ended up eating the things that I said. What did I say as soon as everything took place? I will never sleep in this house again. I will never sleep in this house again. I will never sleep in this house again. That's what kept com- coming out of my mouth. And guess what? For six to nine months, I did not sleep in that house again. I had to eat words that I said. Now, I want you to balance it with this, that God is a God of all power, grace, and mercy. And listen, I believe that God will deliver you. I believe that God can change things. I believe that God can turn things around. But what I am saying is you have to stop speaking over your own life negative things you have to stop speaking over your own life things that come against what god is trying to speak over you we are combative with god through our words all the time and then we allow people in our life that will also be combative with god which empowers the combative combativeness that we have with god and we're constantly in an arguing match with god saying god's saying you're blessed and all the time you look at your bank account you go i'm poor i ain't got nothing we're never gonna make it we're never gonna have enough god will never and we're arguing with God and I want you to realize you've got to stop giving weight to those words but in order to stop giving weight to those words you've got to cut some people's voices off in your life huh there are there there is negativity and people that you need to say okay I love you with the love of Christ but you're not going to speak in my life like that any longer You're not going to speak about my marriage like that anymore. You're not going to speak about my kids that way anymore. You're not going to speak about my finances. Stop letting people speak into your marriage that don't have any business speaking into your marriage. People that want to come in and also talk negative about your spouse with you, cut it out. Cut it off. Stop. Because when you do that, you are empowering the giant in your marriage. You are empowering the problem. Stop listening and letting people's words have weight in your life that can't see past what they see. 
Man may, may misrecognize your strength and man may mislabel you and man may disqualify you, but God doesn't. Every day, his word should outweigh man's word in your life. Every day, his word should outweigh man's word in your life. We live in the culture where words fly and people can say whatever they want, whenever they want. You know, I'm thankful that we live in a free nation. I'm thankful we live in the United States of America. I'm grateful for this nation. I'm grateful that we have freedom of speech. And I think that everyone, I'm going to say this again, because we don't like this very much. I think that everyone should have the right to have freedom of speech as a citizen of the United States of America, okay? This is facts. This is, if we want to believe, if you want to fight for constitution and all this stuff, then you also have to stand for freedom of speech. Now, however, it is a blessing and a curse, (laughs) right? Uh, We live in a culture that we have more social media than ever. You know what that means? People have more access to your life than ever. And you have more access to other people's life than ever. And people can say as much and do as much as they want more than ever. As a matter of fact, we were watching a show the other night, Pastor Chelsea and I were, and um, in the show, don't, don't, y'all like crime thrillers too, okay? In the show, this girl, she gets um, abducted and, which is really like, it's heavy, right? But she gets abducted and it's set back in the 70s. And I was talking with Pastor Chelsea about it, and I went, man, it really is crazy to think about the fact of, and I know some of you in this room, y'all lived through it, so y'all are like, yeah, well, you, <laughs> you know nothing. Uh, y'all lived through this. It's crazy to think that there was a time that you could not just call your kid on a cell phone and go, hey, where are you? Because this girl gets abducted and uh, kidnapped and gets taken far away from him, goes over to Mexico and... Uh, and the parents, it shows like the parents' perspective and the parents are there and it's like an hour late, two hours late, three hours late. And they're like, oh, well, maybe everything's okay. You know, maybe she just got, maybe she was staying at a friend's house, things like that. And the thing is, they, there, there was less access then. And now we live in a world where somebody can text you the dumbest thing at any hour of the night. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I, as a matter of fact, whenever we were youth pastors, I get a little, little funny thing right here. When we were youth pastors in High Praise Panama City, uh, a lot of the, the youth leaders had my phone number so they could text me, and the worship team had my phone number so they could text me about things and ask me questions if need be. And uh, one night, God bless this person, uh, they decided they were going to start texting me at midnight. Now, y'all, some of y'all are like, oh, that's like still early. I'm like, no, that's... I've already been in bed for three, I'm already in bed for three hours, okay? Like, that's not early. I I am asleep. And my phone, ding, 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 ding. And and I had to tell that individual, stop. (laughs) Do not text me past nine o'clock, okay? That is, I, I am off duty unless you are dying or it is a family emergency or you need like the most urgent of prayer. Do not contact me that late ever again but the thing is we have more access than ever and people can speak and say whatever they want whatever dumb things they want are said and can just and then because we don't fact check we often just believe dumb things and spread gossip and let me just say if you're a christian in this room which i would pray that you are if not you can be by the end of the service 
that any sort, in, in any form, any form of, of sharing inaccurate information <laughs> is considered gossip. <laughs> and it should not be being done by people of God. And I'll just leave it at that. I won't talk much further on that. But just think about that. But we live in this culture where we can say and do and, and there's, oh my gosh, 24-7 news. Don't even get me started on that, okay? Let, let me just encourage you this. Turn off the news for a little bit, okay? If you're a household that has the news on 24-7, CNN, Fox, whatever, Newsmax, whatever your cup of tea news is, because guess what? I got a secret for you. No matter what you're listening to, they are leaning into what you like. <laughs> And they're feeding the monster, for lack of better words. If you think Newsmax is 100% true, you're wrong. If you think CNN is 100% true, you're wrong. If you think Fox News is 100% true, you're wrong. No matter which outlet it is, nobody has the full truth. Yet we take it like gospel. Matter of fact, I'm convinced that many times Christians believe the news more than they believe God's word. <laughs> Like, they take it at face value, 100%, no matter what source it is. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Oh, we're about to go into recession again. Okay, yeah, but my Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So I'm not worried about recession. I'm not worried about inflation. I'm not worried about these things. Do, now, on the flip side, do I recognize these things maybe actually taking place? My grocery bill definitely recognizes these things taking place. But you know what that means? As a kingdom citizen, it means that I have to be more intentional in my finances and actually be a good steward over what God has given me and the Bible gives me a promise that if I am a good steward he blesses openly so anyways shut off the news shut social media down for a bit silence some numbers in your phone don't let people into your life that are and don't let words that into your life that you're going to hold on to and give weight to shut those things off you need to amen with as much words as you hear contrary to his word, you need to refill yourself with his word. I'm going to say it like this. In the culture we live in today, you might want to write this down, we hear more and read less. But we need to be a culture that reads more and hears less. And I'm not talking about reading your favorite Nicholas Sparks novel, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about reading the word of God, renewing your mind to the word of God. <laughs> We live in a culture where we hear more and we read less of his word. We, we hear all the news. We see all the social media posts. We talk to all of our friends. We talk to everybody who's saying everything. And we need to read more of the word. That's renewing your mind to the word of God. And we need to hear less. Often, uh, we can't see past what we see because of all that we hear. And that's why we got to renew our mind. And I'm here to tell someone in this room that's been listening to the lies of the enemy that you'll never overcome, that you'll never be enough. I, I want to encourage you with this. I'm, I've come to tell somebody today that's been struggling in their marriage that they'll never recover, that, that they, they're starting to believe the lie that it'll never recover, it'll never be restored. Can I tell you this morning and encourage you this morning that those things can take place, that God can move, that you can overcome giants, that you can overcome fear, and you can have peace in your mind, you can have sweet sleep. Those things can be overcome, but it's going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take some intentionality on your part. Number two is this. In verse 34, I am way behind right now. In verse 34, David gives another great step to overcoming power, and it's this. Remember what God has done in your life and the lives of those around you. Number two is this. You need to remember what God has done in your life and in the lives of those around you. David begins to speak of his testimony here. 
You see this in the text in verse 34. If you still have your Bible open, you can look at it again. But he starts giving a testimony of how God delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine who will face the same fate. In other words, what David's doing is saying, hey, I have a testimony, and I'm reminded of God's power in my life, and God's power then will be the same power that I will see in my future. The Bible says this, Jesus Christ, the same when? Yesterday, today, forever. Not sometimes the same, the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what David's really saying here is this, the same God that li- delivered me yesterday is the same God that will deliver me today. And guess what? In my future, he'll also be the God that delivers me then as well. And you know what? God showed up in that way for David. You can read the rest of David's life and see how God showed up for David in his past, and God showed up for David in his present in this moment, and then God shows up for David even more in his future. Even, uh, I don't have time to go off on this right now, but even in times when David did wrong, even in times when when David messed up, David David murdered people. Now, David was repentant. David repented and made things right. However, my point here is that even whenever you mess up, I want you to be encouraged that you may have messed up, but God can still show up and move on your behalf. He doesn't, you are not disqualified from his power because you messed up and you looked at the wrong thing or you said the wrong thing or you did the wrong thing or you've been doing the wrong thing or you're doing the wrong thing. God, you are not disqualified, but let me encourage you. If you're consistently in sin right now, let me encourage you. Today's the day to repent, turn from those things, do something new and overcome giants in your future. Amen? Now, um, write this down real quickly. Opposition is just another opportunity to show the enemy he's lost. Opposition is another opportunity to show the enemy that he has lost. And I want you to remember that because that's what David is saying here. It's the opposition that I'm about to face based on my testimony. It's just another opportunity to overcome. And David does just that. Now let's, let's um, look at verse 38 now. Verse 38 says, talks about how David was clothed by Saul with, with armor. And so it says, so Saul clothed David with his armor and he put bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him coat of mail. And it goes on to talk about how he wore those things, tried to walk in them. And then what was his words? He said, he, he said I hadn't tested these. Let me t- say this. The step number three to overcoming your Goliath is use what has been tested. Use what has been tested. Bible says that, that David couldn't even walk proper in that armor. He couldn't move proper in that armor. Listen to me. God has accomplished you with everything you need. I mean, God has equipped you with everything you need to accomplish your, his will for your life and your purpose. You are already equipped for the battle. You are already anointed for this. David was anointed. We know this. David was anointed. But listen, you are too, and the anointing has been tested. I'm going to say it again. David was anointed. But listen, you are too, and the anointing has been tested. Though David was anointing, anointed, uh, the king's armor didn't fit him. And you can't, defeat your, you can't defeat your Goliath, your enemies, and someone else's armor. Your, your enemies and your Goliath is authentic. Understand why I say that. It's authentic to you. We talked a little bit about this last week, how there are things in your life that you are facing that are different than the things that I'm facing and maybe different than the things that the person beside you is facing, which means this. God has already equipped you to overcome your enemy, to take down your Goliath, to take down your giant. It's already within you, but you have got to let it out. Can I say that 
Saul didn't recognize David as a warrior, but David already was a warrior. David, I don't even know, fully knew how much of a warrior he was at that moment. And let me just say, whenever you feel inadequate and you feel like you are less than and you feel like you are not enough and you might not be able to do it, I want you to remember that is the time to rely on God's power even more so, to lean into what the Spirit wants to do through you even more so. Don't just sit there and go, well, I'm not good enough. No, God is already, I want you to realize this and recognize this. Whatever it is you are facing, God has already equipped you to overcome it. Amen? You've already got what you need. Now, we said use what's been tested. Now, an ar- Saul's armor... I'm sure had been tested. I'm sure the reason that Saul had armor is because he'd been in battle before. He had a sword because I'm sure it had been tested. I'm sure it had been tested to make sure it was sharp and everything, but it had not been tested for him. David did not reinvent the wheel either, though. Okay? David, the reason David went and got stones and used a sling and a stone was because I'm sure he had seen it done before, if not done it before to something else or practiced before or something like that. I'm sure it had been tested before. I'm not saying don't ever fight your Goliath in the same way that somebody else has. Don't ever, you know, don't glean wisdom from other people. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Because you need people in your life to help you overcome what you're facing. As a matter of fact, Hebrews actually talks about it when it says, follow those through who in faith and patience have inherited the promise, is what he, uh, Hebrews, I don't remember chapter and verse right now off the top of my head, uh, but it talks about that when it's talking about, when the, and, and so we should be like those that look to those people that are saying, like, say it like this, if you know, you, let's, I'm going to generalize something real quick, if you know that you have been battling with a spirit of fear through, and giving you sleepless nights, it is probably not the best idea to find somebody who all they watch is horror films and all they do is horror stuff and they're obsessed with horror things that's probably not the best person to go to in that moment i think probably the better thing to do is find somebody that has overcome fear before and just ask for some instruction on how they what was your like let me say this what was your sling and stone what was, what was your armor? What did God give for you to overcome? And yours may look a little different, but it's a matter, the, the, the matter here is to follow those who faith and patience have already overcome or inherited the promise. And that's what I encourage you with this morning. If you're, fine, if you're having marriage problems, let me just encourage you with this. Don't go to the person that's, that has uh, had four diver- divorces due to infidelity on their part. That's not the person you probably need to go to if you're having marriage problems. You need to find some people who have had a steady, faithful marriage or people who have worked through some, some thick stuff and listen to those people and ask how, they, how you can overcome, uh, as a couple, how you can overcome the things that you're facing together. Amen? Now, their weapons, his, his weapons hadn't been tested that he was trying to go out into, the, into, into battle with, what Saul was trying to give him. And he says, I, I can't use these because they haven't been tested. Let me just say this real quickly. When in the middle of the battle, don't go test things. Use what has been tested. If you try to use in the battle, you're using the battleground as a testing place, it's the wrong time. You will end up defeated. You need to use what's been tested. 
Let me say it like this. I'm here to tell somebody who's been testing things to see if they would work. Just quit. Quit just testing things. Your victory is not found in horoscopes. Your victory is not found in crystals and good vibes and energy. Y'all out there testing things going, hmm, I wonder if this will work. I've, I've prayed. I wonder if this will work. I've done this. I wonder if this will work. Let me just say, we've done all to stand. Stand. Continue to fight. Continue to move forward. Stop trying to test things on the battlefield. Continue to use what's been tested. Are y'all still with me this morning? We're, we're coming to a close. Y'all stay with me. We're going to read, pick up at verse 40 now. We're going to get two more points. Two more points. Verse 40 says this. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and which a sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and became, uh, began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. In other words, he did not like him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of, of the armies of Israel, whom you have dared to fight. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands amen now number four I'm gonna jump straight into this I actually just got this this morning when I was thinking about this message a little bit more I wrote this down number four is create an action plan to overcome Create an action plan to overcome, okay? David didn't just go and grab stones flippantly. He wasn't like, hmm, maybe these will work. It wasn't like a video game, you know, where you just pick random stuff up along the way. And for any of the teenagers in this room and younger people who play video games where you craft things and things like that, he wasn't just picking random things up thinking he could craft with this later. He had an intent in his mind. The reason he went and he got stones and the reason he had a sling in his hand is because he had an action plan of what he was about to do next. There was a plan that was put into place and into motion. Write this down. Winning doesn't just happen. You win through being intentional. Winning doesn't just whoop. Fear doesn't just whoop. Go away. Your marriage problem doesn't just whoop. Go away. Your doubt, your greed, your envy, it doesn't just whoop. Go away. There's things that you have to deal with. You have to be intentional. Winning doesn't happen uh, uh, it doesn't just happen. You have to win through being intentional. As long as you don't plan to overcome, you will continue to not overcome. As long as you don't plan to overcome, as long as you sit there, as long as you sit in your mess and you sit in your problems, you sit in your issues, you sit in your frustration, and you never make a plan of how I'm going to overcome this. That's why I'm thankful that, I mean, listen, you need people in your life for this too sometimes. That's why I'm thankful that I, had a, I have a wife that, that stood there and said, Micah, we're not leaving this house we're, we, have an act, we have an action plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to stay here. We're going to pray. We're going to do whatever we have to do, but we are not leaving this house tonight. There was an action plan that was placed and put into motion. You actually have to do something if you want to win. Yeah. Right. You think about it. 
even in the way of, of football and things like that. Uh, Florida State barely squeaked by yesterday, bless God. But winning teams win, okay? <clears throat> but anyways. When you think about it, in a game, they come in with what? A game plan, right? Imagine if a team comes in with no game plan whatsoever. How do you think that game's going to end up? Very lopsided. It's going to look like Colorado versus Oregon. Don't shoot the messenger. It was bad. Just so everybody didn't know, Colorado, everybody was talking up Colorado to be this national championship contender because Dion was there. And I had said just because they beat TCU, that didn't mean nothing. And they, beat, they played Oregon yesterday, and they got stomped. I mean, destroyed. It was ugly. But anyways, it was 40-something to 7, I think, or something like that. But anyways, uh, if you don't come in with a real good action plan, man, a good game plan, you are going to get walloped. You are going to get beat down. There's got to be an action plan. And then subsequent to that, I want you to hear this. There, there has to be adjustments that are made yeah. in game, yeah. in battle, in fight. There's adjustments that have to come into play. And that take, that's football. That is uh, uh, actual military uh, uh, things, endeavors. There is adjustments that have to be made on the fly because there are things that we didn't think about or things we didn't expect. And you know what? What Pastor Chelsea didn't expect whenever she said, we're going to stay here tonight, was for my voice to be taken from me and me not be able to speak. <laughs> that wasn't expected. That was not in the action plan. And so you need to understand that you've got to come with an action plan against your Goliath, but then... If something starts going wrong, you got to make some adjustments. You got to make some calls. You got to call in some people to help you. You got to call in some prayer. You got to call on God. You got to you got to uh, uh, contact God through your hotline to heaven through prayer. You got to pray in the spirit. There are things that you're going to have to do to make some adjustments to overcome. You've got to arm yourself with a plan. And number 5 coming to a close is this. Lastly, this is what David did. After he recognized them, he did all these things. What did he do next? He came face to face. He came face to face with his Goliath. And this is what you need to do. You need to come face to face with your Goliath and let it know who you are. You need to come face to face with that thing and let it know who it's messing with. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, okay? This will take bravery. It will take boldness on your behalf. But where do we find boldness? In knowing that we are righteous. You find boldness in knowing that you are righteous. What is righteousness? Well, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. But what, who is righteous? The Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Which means this. If you are saved in this room, okay... If you have believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, guess what? You are righteous before God. Well, pastor, I sinned. You're righteous before God. Well, pastor, I've messed up. You're righteous before God. We often think righteousness as holiness. And they're very different. And I don't have time to preach on the difference between righteousness and holiness. You are righteous because Jesus made you righteous. Holiness comes through things that you walk out and you do in your life. Change things. You can never be... Let me deliver your mind right now. You can never be any more righteous than you are right now. 
because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been washed by the blood of the lamb. Well, pastor, I have, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but do you believe in your heart, confess through the mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Well, yeah, pastor, then you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You may not be walking in holiness, and you may not be walking in your full nature of what God has for you, but you are righteous, which means this, church, listen to me. That means you have access to boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So whenever you go face to face with your giant, you're gonna have to remember that I am righteous. I just, this is a revelation right here. Many of us, the reason we don't face what we're facing is because we don't believe we're righteous. Because we messed up. How could I be righteous? So we never face what we're facing because we never think that we can be bold. But listen, it is not about you. It's all, his righteousness is all about what he has already done with the finished work on the cross. It's not about how great you can become. It's not about changing who you are. It's about believing and confessing that Jesus is Lord and Savior and now you are righteous before the Father and now what can take place is God can begin to work in your heart and he can begin to create holiness to take place and there can be things that change in your life because there's a real, because whenever you start realizing how righteous you are naturally holiness begins to spring up from within you because you realize that he is righteous and he's made me righteous so now I want to be holy as he is holy and boldness comes through that David shows he shows that here that that it's not easy but I'm going to go up against my Goliath he explains to Saul who he is David does he then comes face to face with his Goliath and boldly tells him who he is and what's about to happen. I don't know if you've ever heard before about maybe, anybody ever used the word clap back? You know what I'm talking about? Let's say clap back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when we say clap back at them, it means to talk back to them. To Whenever somebody's talking smack to you, clap back at them. And so, there's actually an old song, I, I can't play it in church, but, uh, but <laughs> called Clap Back. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm encouraging you to do, and I didn't give you this until now for this reason, but the subtitle of today's message was Clap Back. Clap back, because you need to clap back at your giants. Goliath was out there for 40 days and 40 nights talking smack. He was clapping at, at, at the, the army of Israel. He was clapping. He was telling them everything that he's done, how big and bad he is. But it took somebody with some boldness to clap back at the giant that was coming. David's boldness didn't come from his own strength. It came from above. David remembers who God is and tells his giant uh, exactly who his God is. David also tells Goliath, you ain't just messing with me. You have dared to fight against my God. And I want to encourage you and I want you to reflect and remember this, that your God is victorious, that your God is almighty. Your God is invincible. Your God is greater. Your God is stronger. Your God is powerful. Your God is immovable. Your God is a warrior. Your God is a winner. God doesn't lose. Therefore, if God 
God is on your side, you will not lose, but you will prevail. I'm here to tell you, if you begin to practice some of these things this morning, I know these are practical things, but listen, if you want to overcome big giants, you got to practice some practical things in your life. You got to make some adjustments. You got to make a plan. You got to stand in the face of Goliath and go, yeah, I know you're big. I know you're speaking to me. I know you're talking about how great you are, but I serve a God that never loses. I serve a God who always triumphs. I serve a God who always wins. I serve a God who will lead me into victory. Will you stand up to your feet and give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just, church, if you want to overcome some things, you're going to have to make some changes. (laughs) But I think one of the biggest things that you need to change is your mindset of who you are. You are not a beaten down, wimpy, sinful, messed up, jacked up person. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you are just going to need to go home and look in the mirror every morning and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can be bold today. I am the right. And you guys go, when you go to bed at night, before you lay your head down on your pillow, you guys look in the, in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I do have access to boldness and I can't overcome what's been facing me. And you continue to practice that. You continue to practice that. You continue to practice that until you see victory. Because I'm telling you, victory is nigh. Victory is coming. I can see it in your future. I'm prophesying. I'm prophetically declaring over you this morning that whatever you're facing victory is coming don't give up but stand and remember that you're righteous and walk in boldness and declare to your giant you've got to come down will you lift your hands to the lord today father i thank you right now for this word i thank you lord for the word that you've given to us today that it won't return void but God, you will help it accomplish everything that you've set it to do today. I thank you, Lord, for every ear, every mind, and every heart that is received of this word today. Lord, let it be a word of encouragement for them today. A word that encourages their spirit man that no matter what they're facing, they can see victory and they can overcome. So Lord, we speak prophetically to every giant that you've got to come down in Jesus' name. We've heard your lies. We've heard your taunting. We've heard these things. But now is the time. This is where the buck stops. Lord, we decree and we declare that every giant must come down. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you give even action plans, things to step out faith fully and do to your, for your people, God, to overcome what they're facing. And I thank you and I declare that they will see victory in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, will you give God a hand clap and shout amen? Amen.